We are Gateway Chapel, where we build your world by His Word. We stand for fun, friendship, fellowship, and family. You are listening to a Gateway Chapel message. Welcome one more time to church and it's time for the word of God. I'm super excited about the opportunity to share God's word with you today. I have been waiting patiently for the opportunity to share this word from the moment the Lord dropped it in my heart when pastor declared the word for the month. I knew that God is onto something with the word that he gave us this month and your 11th hour miracle will be yours in the name of Jesus. I trust God that every promise he has given you this year he will bring to pass in your life according to his will in Jesus name. So one more time welcome to the sermon. Not just welcome to church, welcome to the sermon. Uh, I want to uh, share with you today, we are talking about the series, How to Respond to Challenges. And today I want to talk to you about how to respond to the challenge of discouragement, how to respond to the challenge of discouragement. There are different challenges that people face in life. And um, today I wanted to focus specifically on that. I want to tell you a story. Uh, so I'll pray and then tell you this story and then we will get into the message of God's word. So, Father, thank you so much because the Bible says the entrance of your word gives light and understanding to the simple. With simplicity of heart, we have come today to hear your word. We thank you that your word will be clear to us, will come with precision, will come with accuracy, and will come, oh Lord, in a bite size that we will understand and we will know what to do. In Jesus' precious name we've prayed. Amen and amen. So I read the story of this particular gentleman who decided he was going to leave his town. And this is actually a true story, by the way. He decided he was going to leave his town and he was going to go. His town, he lived in Oklahoma and he wanted to go to Chicago. He wanted to conquer Chicago. So he had only two luggages. All he had were two luggages. And he carried his two luggages with him. And he went all the way with the last pennies he had. And then he stood in front of what we we'll call like a town hall in Chicago. And he looked up to this big building and he put his luggage down and he said, I am here to conquer Chicago. And after he made that decision and that declaration openly and boldly, something happened to him. He bent down to pick up his bags and continue his journey towards where he was going to go into a B&B for the night. And he realized that his two luggages have been stolen. <laughs> what a start to a new start. What a start in a place that he believed he was going to conquer. But fast forward, after this gentleman told his true life story, in 1980s he became a heavyweight boxing champion in that same state and in the whole of the country eventually. His name is James Tillis. You can go and read about him later. They actually call him James Quick Tillis. And I just thought that was a very interesting one where when you already have a dream, you have a thought, you have a plan in mind, you have a word that God has given to you, you have an aspiration, you have something you're going for and someone just gives you a word or an action to knock you back. The second story I'm going to tell you is another real life story and that actually happened to Pastor Eddie. When he started out in his original job as a traffic warden, he mentioned to me because we were, we were, you know, we were in a house where a particular lady was working as a traffic warden and after she worked as a traffic warden for a period of time, she got a promotion into the finance office. So as he started out his work as a traffic warden, thinking, well, 
If it happened for that lady, it can happen for me. God is no respecter of persons. The same God that gave her a word, the same God that gave her a miracle can visit me and do exactly the same thing. Fantastic expectation. Fantastic, fantastic plan. And then he got to work and then he was given this partner to work with him on the beat, as they always do in that field of work. And when he's walking on the street with this gentleman, he will say to the gentleman, someday I am going to be recalled into the office and I'm going to get an office job from this walking on the street job. And you know what the guy said? It never happens that way, Eddie, forget the dream. In fact, I used to be a kitchen potter and I did it for years and years and years. And from being a kitchen potter, I've just been promoted now and I've got this job. So this is even the better part of life. So this is how it goes. Forget about that dream. Forget about that vision. Forget about what you think you're going to do. And words always come like that. The intention of words like that are to discourage us and to make us to drop the dream, drop the aspiration, drop the things that God has set for your heart to do. And then it becomes a massive challenge. How do you handle the challenge of discouragement? And I want to talk to you about that today. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 4. And we're going to read a few verses in Nehemiah, and I'm going to talk to us in three different sessions. Talk to us a little bit about this word discouragement. It's, it's, it's just awful discouragement. However, it happens to the best of us. So if you're going through it or you're about to go through it, I'll just talk to you through um, how to identify the things that keep us discouraged or makes us feel discouraged. And I'll talk about the remedies of it. So we're going to look at the, the, re, the things you can look at and say, okay, now I need, to, I, I need to understand what this is and I need to fight it. So I'm going to show you that in the word of God. But let's turn to Nehemiah chapter 4. If we're reading, we read from verse 7. It says 7 to 15. It says, But it came to pass that when Sambalat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashadites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very angry and they conspired all of them together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. The intention when they heard that we are moving forward, pressing forward, things are happening for us, 11 hour miracle is happening for us, they conspired to come and stop the progress. That's what that scripture is saying. Nevertheless, verse 9, nevertheless, we made our prayers unto our God and we set a watch against them day and night because of them. Verse 10 says, And Judah said, The strength of the bearers of the burden is decayed, and there is, no, there is so much rubbish, so that we are not able to build the wall. Judah is one of the best of the tribes you can think about. Judah means praise. Judah is the tribe that Jesus is going to come from. Judah is the best of the best. You know what you will call the sons of the pastors, the ones you expect to say only the right things at all, every point in time. And the Bible says, and Judah said, the strength of the bearers of the body is low. We are tired. People are tired. So Judah came to tell the leader, the people are tired. And I don't know who you are looking up to that you expect to encourage and lift up your heart in the spirit and they are constantly tell you, I'm sure you're tired by now. I'm sure you know how 2020 has gone. I'm sure this pandemic, I'm sure this second lockdown and so on and so forth. And the people that you look up to that should lift up God's voice, that should be bringing praise on his behalf are speaking the words of discouragement. And that means that anybody can be used by the devil as a tool of discouragement. Anybody. 
So you and I have to be very, very careful. But let me read on that same scripture. It says, and Judah says, the strength of the bearers of the bodies are decaying. And there is so much rubbish, so that we are not able to build the wall. <laughs> Verse 11 says, and our adversary said, Judah is not the adversary, by the way. So Judah had something to say. Then the adversaries now have something to say. The adversary says, they shall not know, neither see, till we come into the midst amongst them, and we slay them, and cause the work to cease. The whole intention is to make sure the work ceases. The whole intention is to make sure you don't press forward. The whole intention is to make sure you don't go forward. The whole intention is to make sure you are too discouraged to get that which God has given or planned for you. The whole intention is to ensure you do not receive your 11th hour miracle. The whole intention is to ensure you do not walk into the future that God has planned for you. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Pritchie said, every great thing that God has in store for you still ahead of you. The intention of the enemy is to make sure through discouragement that you don't press into that which God has ahead of you. But as we read on, it says, verse 12, and it came to pass that when the Jews that dwelt amongst them, they, they said unto, they dwelt among them said to us 10 times, 10 times, <laughs> the people that dwelt amongst them, Christians that dwelt amongst the people, Christians that listen more to the news, Christians that want to know what is happening much more in the world. <laughs> the Bible says, when the Jews that dwelt amongst them said unto us, Ten times, from all the places whence we have returned, they all said, this will be upon us. That is, this problem is going to kill us. And then, therefore, set I in the low places, behind the wall, and on the higher places, I even set the people after their families with their sword, their spears, and their bows. Verse 14 says, And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles, and to the rulers, and to the rest of the people, be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord your God, which is great and terrible, and the fight for your brethren, for your sons, for your daughters, and your wives, and your houses. And it came to pass that when our enemies heard this, that it was known unto us, and God had brought their counsel to nothing, that we... Returned all of us to the wall, everyone to his work. When the enemy knew that their words are not able to stop God's people, they back off and their God's people returned to the work. The intention of discouragement is to stop you from pressing forward. The intention of the challenge of discouragement is to make sure you do what you lose courage. You don't just lose courage, lose hope and lose the vision of looking forward. See, the Nehemiah chapter 4 is one place that when you read that same scripture, it's the first time obstructions and objections and challenges will come across Nehemiah, and there are many more where to come. And I don't know where you are at now personally in your life and what this year has released into your hands so far, but if you are struggling with discouragement, you will not be alone. Everybody experiences discouragement at one time or the other in their lives. But the question is, are you in control of discouragement or is discouragement in control of you? Now that is the question. When discouragement comes, 
and it gets in control of you. That is, it determines how you feel. It determines how your day goes. It determines your response to things. It determines how your life goes. It determines how November is. It determines how you read, read the whole of 2020. Then there is a big problem. How do you respond to the challenge of discouragement? So if we just want to read a few things, discouragement is to lose courage, to lose hope, and to lose confidence. And I don't know who is going through that today, but I pray for you in the name of Jesus that Jehovah himself through the words of the sermon today will release strength into your inner man from above in the name of Jesus, that you will encounter the strength and the power of the Lord from your inner man, fresh hope, fresh strength, Fresh confidence will come in the name of Jesus. Discouragement happens to everybody, to the rich and to the poor, to the saints and to the sinners. So every single one goes through it at one time or the other. Maybe because of, for different reasons, and I'm going to read some of the reasons to us soon. And I know that many of us will be able to identify with that. And sometimes maybe you're not even discouraged personally. Maybe you have somebody around you that is discouraged. I want you to grab hold of this message and share it with them. I want you to grab all this message and share it with them. Discouragement can be very contagious. I noticed three things about discouragement. It could be contagious. When somebody is discouraged, all you need to do is spend a little bit of time with them and you will get discouraged in a matter of time. They will tell you all the reasons why 2020 was not the year it was meant to be, all the reasons why things are not going right, and all the things, reasons why it won't go right, and all of a sudden because they've lost hope, you lose hope. So you cannot particularly isolate yourself from discouragement, but you can insulate yourself from discouragement. And what happened to Judah? Judah was meant to have the right words in his mouth, but because he dwelt amongst a bunch of people, he was discouraged. Discouragement is contagious. Discouragement could also be continuous if you allow it, and that's how it goes into depression. See, discouragement comes and it's meant to come and go. It comes and I teach you some of the, the ways to deal with them today. You deal with them and it lifts off you. However, if you allow yourself to dwell too long in the place of discouragement, it becomes a continuous thing and it goes into depression. And many, many people have gone through that before. It's not God's plan for your life. So let's establish that straight away. That was not God's intention for your life. Discouragement can be contentious. Discouragement can be continuous. Discouragement can be contagious. Discouragement can be contentious. What does that mean? It creates a lot of battle within you. A battle that is saying, did God say, did God not say? Should I, should I believe God? Should I not believe God? And you are constantly, constantly fighting this thing that keeps telling you, I can't get it. The 11th hour miracle is not my own. The challenges of this year and all the things that God has planned for me. And the truth of the matter, like Pastor always says, a month is too much for God to deliver on the promises that he has given to you. In fact, 24 hours is too much because God can one day give you, provide for you way beyond your imagination just in a moment of time. That's your God. That is the God that you and I serve. So do not allow the contention of discouragement to make you fight whether what God has said to you is right or whether God is true or whether God is not true. God is always true and let God be true. The word of God says and let all men be liars. Let all circumstances be lies. Let all situations be lies. Let God be true concerning your matter. As you face this, the rest of this year, may every promise that he has given to you be delivered unto you in the name of Jesus. May every obstacle that is in the way, may they be pulled down in the name of Jesus. So most of the time when people are going through discouragement, what I've come to realize is this, 
that rather than look at God that gave them the promise, let's start with, rather than look at the promise that God has given to them, their eyes are no longer on the promise and the progress they have made, their eyes are on the problems they are facing. When you're going through anything and you are constantly looking at the problem and it looks larger than life, your eyes have been removed from the promise keeper. Your eyes have been removed from the progress you have made. Your eyes is on the problem. And that was what happened to the children of Israel in the book of Nehemiah. They've been attacked left, right, and center. And the time came, they just couldn't see their progress anymore. In that Nehemiah chapter 4, they had already reached halfway through building. And they forgot every single thing that God has done for them in the past. And because they forgot everything, all of a sudden they can see the problem. They forgot the promise keeper. They forget the progress they've made. They forget the fact that even a foreign God that had nothing to do with them gave them all the resources to go back to their land to go and build. They forgot the fact that God gave them a promise and that God told them when this time of captivity is over, you will rebuild. And exactly as God said it, things started happening for them. But they forgot. They started building and they came together. People that have been slaves in different countries, they came together and they were able to build. They forgot. They had spares. They had things to fight battles. They forgot. They had provision given to them by, by someone that has nothing to do with their vision, but they forgot. That's what discouragement brings. When you have worked so hard on a project, when you have believed God for so long on a promise, and in your mind, you are saying, well, they have said it again and again and again. And we are coming to the end of 2020. When will this happen for me? And I don't know whether you are like that. And whether in your heart you are thinking, I have fasted and fasted so much this year. Pastor, when he made a declaration for this, for this month, he said, we are fasting on the 11th. And he mentioned something. He said, we have never fasted so much as we have fasted this year. And I don't know whether in your heart you're asking yourself this question. I've never fasted so much as I've fasted. And I'm not sure what I've seen of this or that or the other that you're believing your God for. But I can clearly say this to you, that when God releases a promise into your hand, God is more than able to bring it to pass. It's the intention of the enemy for your eyes to be on the problem that is not solved. Eyes to be on the problem that you think is there rather than the progress you have made. I want you to know that you have made progress. God gave you a word. Your God is the promise keeper. I read this particular poem. And, and to be honest with you, I think it's a summation of discouragement all through. He said discouragement is dissatisfaction with the past, distaste of the present, and distrust of your future. A dissatisfaction of the past, a distaste of your present. When discouragement sits down, you are dissatisfied even with the past. You can't even remember all the good things that you've had in the past. You're you find the present distasteful, and then you don't trust your future, distrust of the future. It's, a, it's an ingratitude of the blessings of yesterday. I want to ask you a question. Has God not been faithful to you this year? You're alive, you're well. Has God not been faithful to, do, to you this year? If you dwell in the place of discouragement, it's an ingratitude of the blessings of yesterday and indifference to the opportunities of today and insecurity regarding the strength of tomorrow. Today always has opportunities in it. And that is why every single day is a day of promise. Every single day is a day of blessing. And God can release his favor upon you. God can release his blessings upon you. God can change your story just in one 
day. If only you believe. But when you dwell in the place of discouragement, you feel indifference about the opportunities of today, ingratitude about yesterday's successes, and then insecurities about tomorrow's strength or whatever God has in stock for you tomorrow. The poem, the poem writer I went ahead, he says, it's an unawareness of the presence of the beauty. It's unconcerned for the need of our fellow men and unbelief in the promise of God. Ultimately, if you dwell in the place of discouragement, it is unbelief in the promise of God. It shows that you don't believe that God said he, God, what God said is going to do in your life. What's God going to do in your life this year? This is the 11th hour miracle month. Can God not do it? Yes, he can. Our God can. Don't ask the question, can God bring water out of this rock? Can God really, really do it? Don't bring, don't bring lack of faith into this matter because your God is more than able, more than capable of fulfilling every promise he has given to you. Discouragement is a tool of the enemy. So what are the reasons why we get discouraged? Let me just quickly run you through a couple of reasons and then I'll tell you the things that you need to do to fight discouragement. The first reason why we get discouraged why we get discouraged, as is shown in that scripture in Nehemiah chapter 4, is fatigue, exhaustion. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 10, it says, And Judah said, the strength of the bearers of the burden is decayed. That is, people have lost their strength. You are tired. That's just a simple English word, tired. When you're exhausted, everything looks big to you. All mountains look insurmountable. Discouragement comes in the midst of exhaustion, fatigue. They were tired. And sometimes the tiredness never, never happens when you start a journey. It never, never happens towards the end of the journey. It only happens mainly towards the middle of the journey. I, I, well, I don't know whether I should use the word I love. I don't love it, but I do it anyway. I go running and, and recently... Before the second lockdown, I, I started running in the gym again. Um, if you run on the treadmill, you know how uninteresting it is. It could be terribly uninteresting. So I set my goal, and then I start the run. I'm seriously excited at the beginning of the run, and I'm going for it as much as I can. I'm also trying to pace myself to make sure I don't wear myself out before the end of the run. So the beginning is really exciting. I'm trying to set how many minutes, how many, how many minutes I'm going to run a mile today or a kilometer today. And that's what the all of the beginning, that's what I'm consumed by. The first and the second kilometers, I'm actually just working out what's it going to be today? How am I going to do it today? The hills, the valleys, and so on and so forth that I set on the treadmill. And then by the time I get to, to the middle of it, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, should I slow down a little bit? Because can I really, really get to 6.5 kilometers today? Do I really want to get that far today? Maybe I should stop at four. Who actually even set this target for me? Uh, was I not the one that said it myself? Why do I have to? And all these questions and all these doubts and all these things start coming. You will not believe it. My most um, exhaustion comes towards the middle, which is weird. Because you would think you have enough strength. And then by the time I get to five kilometers, I'm thinking, wow, only 1.5 left. Let me run a little bit more and get a little bit more speed and better my time per hour within, within all the run. And then I push for that. And as I get towards the very, very last half, half, half kilometers, I am running. I'm thinking, well, it's only 200, kilometers, 200 uh, meters left. I can do this. I can do this. And I have so much more power towards the end. So basically what I'm saying to you is this. It's in the middle that the greatest of our Exhaustion shows his face. Where are you at in the projects or the promises that God has given to you? 
Where are you at in the things that you are believing God for? What are you at this month? The 11th hour miracle month. Are you in the middle of it and you're thinking, I don't even know what to believe anymore. Can God? Can God? Can God? Fatigue, exhaustion. Judah came and says, the people that are the bearers of the bodies are tired. If the bearers of the bodies are tired, the rest of the people stand no chance. That is, the prayer warriors are tired. The people that do the work are tired. If you are the one that does the work, if you're tired, nobody stands a chance. So how do you know? What are the reasons why we experience discouragement? Fatigue, exhaustion. The next one, frustration. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 10. He said, there's so much rubble. There's so much rubbish, another version says. You know, when you think you have been working really hard on something and all you can see is loads and loads and loads of rubbish, you get, get really, really discouraged. I don't know how many of you are very, very good with DIY. But let's say you make up your mind, you wake up one day and say, I want to redecorate my room. I want to redecorate this house. And it sounds really like a great project and a great idea until you start and say, well, you can't just paint it. You have to prepare. In preparing it, you have to scrape. And after scraping, you have to get rid of the old wallpaper. And after that, you have to do this. And after, by the time they tell you all the things you have to do, all you just see is loads and loads of rubbish and rubbles. And you think, why did I even start this project again? And I don't know whether that's where you are at. Frustration leads in. If you can, many people end up stopping the project at that point. Discouragement comes in because there's just so much rubble, so much rubbish. So much rubbish taking your time. So much rubbish that you have to solve as a problem left, right, and center. And that in itself is enough to create discouragement. How do you respond to the challenge of discouragement? Discouragement could come when there's frustration. You have tried one door, it's shut. Tried the other door, it's shut. Tried the fourth door, it's shut against you. And you're thinking, what is the point of trying again? I've applied for a job since January, I didn't get any. Why is it in, 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 in November, towards the end of the year, that I'm going to get it? In fact, when nobody, when nobody was followed, I didn't get a job. When everybody got followed, I didn't get a job. When the economy opened up again, I didn't get a job. And now we're in a place where they have locked down again. Is this now I'm going to get a job? When half of the population needs the same role. And the devil keeps suggesting to you there's just so much rubble, you can't see the end of the journey. But I want to encourage you today and speak to your spirit and declare by the spirit of the Lord that God will make way for you. God will make room for you in the name of Jesus. Every form of frustration, every form of exhaustion that has come your way, Jehovah himself will hold your hand and strengthen you and take you through in the name of Jesus. Rise up. Don't die under the rubble because that's not the destination. Don't let your dream die under the rubble because that was not the promise of God. The promise of God is to take you into the promised land. That is, we're going to build this wall. That's the promise of God. So never allow frustration to stop you from reaching the promise of God. For some people, it's your family members. For some people, it's that husband. For some people, it's that wife. For some people, it's that child. It's a repeat, continuous repeat of the same problems every time. You are the only parent that the teachers call every time. There's the only child that just does not do. It, it just goes round and round. You have believed God. You have broke communion. You have given anointing oil to him. You have given anointing oil to her. And nothing seems to be changing. Don't get frustrated. Because if you allow yourself to get frustrated, you will get tired. You will get discouraged. But every promise, every great thing God has for you is ahead of you. So you can't afford to do that. The next one is failure. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 10. It says, 
that same scripture. So the four things I'm pulling out from Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 10. It says, And Judah said, The strength of the bearers of the burdens have decayed, and there is much rubble, so that we are not able to build the wall. He just came up with a conclusion. Look, we have failed in this project. And it feels sometimes in some people's lives as if you have failed in different projects this year. You have failed to make the marriage what you want it to be. You have, you seem, it seems as if you have failed. You told yourself by this same time last year, you said by this time this year, I will have achieved this, that, and the other. And in your heart, you feel like you have failed to achieve it. I want to say to you, that could create discouragement. But that's not how God sees the project. That's not how God sees your life. That's not how God sees what you're looking at. We have to review the way God sees things. We have to see things differently because it is the projection that the enemy is giving to you that you are declaring, not the mind of God concerning your matter. Judah came and was giving them this wrong projection. He said, well, the people are tired. He said, well, people are frustrated. He said, well, the people have failed. We don't think we can do it anymore. The next one then is then said in verse 11, and then we're now afraid. See, by the time you allow exhaustion, exhaustion pales the way you see life, frustration comes in, failure begins to loom, and what happens right after? Fear. The spirit of fear sets in. Verse 11 says, and also our enemies said, how did you hear what your enemies said? Many of us listen much more to what the enemies say, to what the news say, to what the statistics say, to what your industry say, to what social media is saying, and much more, it says, and much more, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will rise amongst them, we will kill them, and we put an end to the work. He forgot that it's God that sent them on the assignment. He forgot that it's God that provided for them to do the job. I don't know what you're listening to now and where you are at, but don't forget that God is the one that sent you on this assignment. God is the one that gave you this promise. God is the one that gave you this child. God is the one that gave you this job. God is the one that gave you this life. And he is expecting something from it. God is not a failure. My brethren, God is not a failure. And it doesn't matter what anybody says to you, my God is not a failure. I want you to understand that, take that information and think about it again and again and again. Verse, 11, verse 12 of that Nehemiah 4 says, and then the Jews who live near them, run away from the Jews that live near the enemy. Run away from people that live on Sky News or on, on BBC News and all they tell you is what the press is saying. CNN News and so on and so forth. Run away from them because you don't need them. If you really want to win the battle against discouragement, you need to be mindful of what you listen to. You need to be mindful of who you keep company with. You see, it's really interesting here that it wasn't the Jews that came to tell Nehemiah. Nehemiah was the leader. And the person that came to tell him was another leader, Judah. Judah was the one that brought the news of what he said the people were saying to Nehemiah. So sometimes the people that are within your inner circle are the ones that can actually be used by the devil to create discouragement in your life. He said, look, he said, the Jews who lived amongst them told us 10 times, 10 times, that whenever we turn, everywhere we turn, they tell us that they will attack us 10 times. They keep bringing you bad news one time, two times. Every single month for 10 months of the year, they brought you the bad news. And sometimes that in itself can create fear and discouragement. But I declare and I decree to you today 
that the end has come to every single obstruction in you seeing what God has planned for you for the rest of this year in the name of Jesus. Nothing will be able to stop you from achieving the plan that God has for you from the very onset in the name of Jesus. Every single one that is bringing negative news to you to discourage your heart, I banish them from your life in the name of Jesus and I decree and I declare that the plan of the Lord concerning your life will be established. Receive courage in your spirit in Jesus precious name we've prayed when Nehemiah heard all these words what did he do what was the remedy and that's why I want to end today I want to just tell you a few remedies things you can do that will help you to overcome discouragement or to win over the challenge of discouragement in every area of your life the very first thing Nehemiah did he brought reinforcement write this down reinforcement in, in the book of uh, Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 13 it says, therefore, I station some of the people behind the lowest point. Ladies and gentlemen, when you are going through a low point, you need other believers that are fighting in the battle. You need to call on your family, the family of God around you for reinforcement. You see, in this time, in this age, you will be uh, deceiving yourself if you think you can fight all the battles by yourself alone. I want to encourage you to take advantage of the body of Christ. Don't run this journey alone. Don't face the challenges of your life by yourself alone. That's why you have a church family. Become a genuine member of a church family. Become a genuine member. If you're a member of Gateway Chapel, be really present. Don't be present once and then be gone for the rest of the month and present one service and then for the rest of the four services of the month, nobody sees you. No house fellowship, no thank you very much. No, no, you don't go to prayer meetings. You don't go to Thursday meetings. You don't, all these things are set up to help you. When Nehemiah was going to create reinforcement, the first thing he did was he brought people from the family of God and he put them in the lowest point. When you are going through your low point, you need people from the family of God around you. You need someone that can see what God is saying to help you through when you are looking at the rubbles of life. You don't need another person to come and tell you how bad it is. But you will never get the right person to tell you what God is saying unless you keep, you keep in association or fellowship with the people that can tell you what God is doing. Reinforcement. You need the family of God. You need your church. You need the services. You need the word of God. You need the promises that God has given to you. I am a serious one for recommending the service and the family of God. God, Bible says, set the lonely in families. Don't go because we are now a church online. I want to do my things myself and be by myself. No, discouragement will set in and if you stay there long enough, it goes into depression. You're not good to yourself. You're not good to the project God has given to you. You're not good to your family members. You're not good to the kingdom of God. So I need you. I need you to come in, back into the body, into the fold that God has prepared to take care of you and receive reinforcement in the name of Jesus. Reinforcement was the first thing that Nehemiah brought back into the camp. The moment the spirit of discouragement came into the camp. The second thing there is this. And you know, I was reading many, many scriptures. Uh, if you look at Numbers chapter 11, verses 14 and 15, where Moses went through a time that he was really discouraged and he was feeling like, I'm the only one on this journey. What did God say to him? Do you know what? This battle is big. This journey is huge. This problem is big. But don't worry about it, Moses. I'll sort you out. I, I, I point to me a few other people. I point to me 70 other elders that will help you with this one. That is, you need reinforcement. He didn't say, Oh, what a pointless thing. 
You're just moaning anyhow. No, 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 no. You're not just moaning anyhow. It's not a pointless problem you have. You have a genuine problem because you can see the problem. It's not a made-up problem, but you need reinforcement. And that's what the body of Christ is for. If God needed to put people around Moses, you need it. You can't stay on social media and think, I'm okay. You can't stay in your room and say, today I'm not switching on the light or going out and I'm fine. No, 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 no. The spirit of discouragement will lead into depression and that's not what God wants for you. How do you respond to the challenges of life? The second thing that I noticed that Nehemiah did in that scripture, in, in, in Nehemiah chapter 4, when discouragement came, is requisition. Requisition. The first one, reinforcement. The second one, requisition. He called on God. He made a requirement to the help of God. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 9 said, but we prayed to our God. When you are going through discouragement, when discouragement comes to visit you, and I use the phrase going through because he will never do it in the name of Jesus. But when he attempts to visit you, make a requisition to God. But it's easy to make a requisition to God when you have created a reinforcement. It's so difficult to get your priorities right when you are not in the right frame of mind or with the right group of people. Priorities need to be set right, but it happens mainly when you are amongst a bunch of people that have their priorities right as well. So reinforcement with the people of God, requisition, pray to your God. Ask people to pray along with you. Prayer still works. 11th hour miracle is yours because God's word said it's yours, but yes, you will need to water it with your prayers and with the words that you confess. Every time you pray, there's an expectation. Every time you pray, there is a change in the spirit. The thing is this, when you pray, you change things in the spirit, things have already started happening. You might not physically see it, but that does not mean that they are not happening. Joshua chapter 7. Joshua was a great general and he had a problem. And in verses 8 through to 9, God still told him, look, you have a problem with these people in I? Come and pray to me. He was a great general. He could fight battles. That's what he trained for. But God still expects him to lift up his voice. I don't know what you trained for and what you think you're good at. I can do this. I can do it with my eyes closed. God is saying, if you feel low, you need requisition. And that's crying to God for help. The third one there that I will always request that you do, that I think is really useful for you is revitalization. The first one, is reinforcement. Somebody from the body of Christ or the people from the body of Christ to support you. The second one, requisition, crying unto the Lord for help. The third one, revitalization, calling on God's past faithfulness. First one, calling on God's people. Second one, calling on God for help. Third one, calling on God's past faithfulness. If I were in your shoes, I will sit down and I will pen down. I will pen down what the Lord has done for me in the past. I will pen down what the Lord has done for other people around me. I come back to fellowship. I will pen down all the testimony and thanksgiving from January to date. If I were in your shoes, I will go back to the website of the church. I will go back to youtube.com for us like Gateway Chapel. And I will listen again and again and again and again to the testimonies of God's faithfulness and deliverance. There have been testimonies, outstanding ones this year. There have been testimonies of jobs. There have been testimonies of houses. There have been testimonies 
testimony of protection. There have been testimonies of provision. There have been testimonies of healing. There have been testimonies of children that God has blessed people that didn't even think they could ever have children with a set of twins because our God is still a faithful God. In this year that you think has been rubbish, there have been people that have bought houses, people that have bought cars, people that have progressed, people that are doing well in their places of work. Write it down. The scripture says God is no respecter of persons. Listen again and again and again and again to revitalize your spirit so that you can know that my God, if you can do it for them, you can do the same thing for me. God is still in the business of pushing people forward. The Bible in the book of Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 14 says, And after I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. That's our God. That's your God. That's my God. When the spirit of discouragement tries to attack you, remember your God who is great and who is awesome. The last one there is repositioning. Repositioning. The thing is this. If you continue to stand where you stand, if you continue to see the way you see, you can stay in the place of discouragement for life. What do I mean by repositioning? Through the word of God, you change your perspective. The word of God is what can help you change your perspective. I said the first one, when discouragement comes and you want to fight discouragement, the very first place you start from is reinforcement. The body of Christ around you. The second place you go to, after that is requisition, you cry out to the Lord for help. Because when you are with the body of Christ, somebody says, hey, let's lift up our voice and pray. The third one I said was revitalization, looking at what God has done in the past. What has God done for other people? Can he do the same for me? And then the last one is repositioning yourself. Repositioning yourself in the word. What does the word of God say about me? That's what I'm going to start looking at. What, are, what was the word of the month? What was the word of the year? What was the word of last month? You know a month can end, but the word has not expired. The Bible says that the heaven and earth shall pass away, but not a jot of the word that I've given to you will pass away without fulfilling its purpose. So that tells me that you and I need to reposition our vision. If you don't reposition yourself, you don't have a new vision. As long as you dwell in that same place, all you will be seeing is the frustration of the rubbles. And then you'll be hearing the Jews that live close enough to them. And then you'll be hearing the leader that is constantly listening to them and looking and saying, everybody's tired, we can't do it anymore. But when you reposition yourself, that is by going into the word of God, revisit the word that God has given you in January, revisit the vision that God has shown you, revisit the promise that the Lord has given to you, and then reposition yourself in it. Begin to see yourself the way God sees you. If you don't see yourself the way God sees you, you can never expect what God has in stock for you. It's not possible. Because you see only what you see, you see only where you, what you can see where you stand. When God was going to change the life of Abraham, he said to him, said, come outside here, Abraham. Come outside. He said, look up. As far as your eyes can see, look at the stars. He was repositioning Abraham in his mind. From the place of barrenness, where he was looking in his tent at what he doesn't have. God brought him out to come and look at all the things that God has. It wasn't Abraham that owned the stars. It was God. It's to remind Abraham that if your God owns all these stars, and he says, as far as your eyes can see, I'm going to give you children. I'm going to give you children, generation after generation. It changed the way Abraham saw things. And Abraham's vision changed because God 
repositioned him. He stood in a new place. He stood in the place of the word of God. Every time we stand in the place of the word of God, our life changes. I want to encourage you today that you take these four things and start running with them. If you're in a place of discouragement at the moment, I want to encourage you with the word of God. I want to tell you that your God is true. Your God is faithful. Your God is able. Your God can change your story. It doesn't need a year to change your story. It doesn't need a whole generation to make things change and walk around for you. It can change the law of any land for his children. God will go to any extent to visit with you. But whatever happens, never ever respond to the challenge of discouragement by just sitting down there. I want you to call upon your church family. Be part of your church family. Because you see, every time you are within a group, the devil can't reach you. So it's just because everybody else's faith. That's good enough for you. When your faith is low, hang on everybody else's faith. You will be left buoyant. So keep on going. Keep on pressing. Keep on pressing. Never allow discouragement visit you. Because if you allow it visit you and it spends time in your home, it goes further and further and further. I want to end with this story. I was, uh, when we were, um, when we just started out in United Kingdom, we're living in a room in a house. And it was a very tough period of life. But there were some things that you will never catch us do. Number one, you will never catch us away from the fellowship of God's people. We knew our solution was in God's house. Wow. How will God translate the word of God into food, into a job, into a car, into a house? We don't know, but what we know is his promises are yea and amen. I don't know how God was going to turn the word of God we're listening to in the house, the word of God we listen to into church, into a three-bedroom house for us. But what we know is, his word is yea and amen. When he speaks his word, he will bring it to pass. So I was in church one day. I sat down amongst a bunch of people in church as well. And these young ladies were talking about how church is in their mind. Oh, church is this. And they were pointing at one person after the other about how one person is this, one person is that. And I thought, hang on a minute. I didn't come to church to come and learn about anybody. I came to learn more about God. Oh, our church is this and that. I said, no, this is not why I came here. I need a change of story. So I changed where I sat. So I started sitting in the place. I said, oh, but come and sit where children, mothers with children are. No, no, where mothers with children are, they were just always talking negative things. I didn't want to know that because I am believing God for something big. My husband and I needed the breakthrough. So we needed to key into what God has in stock. Oh, our pastor is that I don't care how the pastor is. He's a messenger of God that is bringing the word of God to me to change my life. I needed a change of story. We needed a change of life. So we repositioned ourselves physically, sat down, heard the word. We were in the house, but not just in the house just because we want to hang out. No, 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 no. Not just in the house because we want a Judah or a Jew that is close to the negatives to come and tell me stories. I don't need that. That won't change my story. I needed to be near Nehemiah. Someone that was hearing from God and delivering God's message to his people. So we heard the word. And one day after the other, God started changing our life. And our life is a testament and a testimony to the faithfulness of the Lord in this land. He has been faithful. Everyone he has given to my husband and I, he has fulfilled this, every single one of them. Not just to us and our generations after us. Your God is a faithful God. Every promise he has given to you, he can bring to pass. And he will bring to pass in your life in the name of Jesus. Do not allow the spirit of discouragement to pull you down. Today I decree and I declare your heart is encouraged in the name of Jesus. I come against the spirit 
spirit of discouragement in your life. I come against the spirit of discouragement in your life in the name of Jesus. And I pray for you today that you'll be strong in your inner man in the name of Jesus. You will arise on the inside. As you dwell in the presence of the Lord, he will revisit you with his power, with his glory, with his strength, and with his joy. So shall your story be in Jesus' precious name. We have prayed. Amen and amen. I cannot wait to celebrate God's faithfulness with you at the end of this year. You will get your dancing shoes and you will still dance this year in the name of Jesus. And I will dance with you. And I can't wait for you to share your testimony with Pastor Eddie and myself. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lord. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about us at www.gatewaychapel.org uk remember to subscribe so you'll never miss another message like this one be blessed <laughs>